Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Boston, Massachusetts, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. And we are back with another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Payton, Lee Cantor here with you. We've got Dan Collier in the room, and we have with us in this segment... Training Director for Liberty Mutual, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Mr. Dan Twombly. How are you, sir? I'm well, thank you, Stone. Well, thank you for being part of the show today. Um, Liberty Mutual, uh, everybody knows what you do, but can you just refresh? Sure. So uh, Liberty Mutual is a uh, top uh, property and casualty insurance uh, uh, company. Uh, We are now a worldwide organization um, and uh, geez, I think we have up to about 50,000 employees now. Wow. So yeah. now all over the world. All over the world. And as training director, that makes your job easy, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <it's not> <laughs> really easy. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your role as training director? Sure. So uh, my role is primarily focused in the uh, commercial insurance uh, area of the company. So we with those businesses and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we are we are focused on U.S. business. So mm-hmm. I don't get too too involved in the international business at this point. Uh, but my job is to focus on product training. So. Uh, all of our people in the organization need to know our products, whether it's an underwriter who is going to underwrite a product. They need to make sure that it is going to um, they, they they're are, be accurate. They're right? going to be accurate. They're selling what they intended to sell, actually. When our claims adjusters go out and adjust those claims that inevitably come, that we are providing the right coverage and sure. so forth or uh, making the correct How many pro- uh, products do you have? Oh, um Gazillion, yeah, right? yeah. There's like, dozens. Yeah, I don't even. I wouldn't even know the answer to that. To be honest with you, so, a ton it, of them so there, and they're always new products. Uh, no. Uh, well, there's a lot of uh, basic product that uh, the insurance. So the um, insurance service organization kind of puts out a base product that all insurance companies can use, and right. then sometimes we'll create our own proprietary products to go on that, or, or, or separate endorsements that might be. Uh, added on to the basic mm-hmm. products that the organization puts out. So training director, while everybody else wanted to be a fireman, cowboy, policeman, right. you said, you know what, I'm right. going to be, be a training, training director. director. Right. Now, what's your backstory? How did you, you get started? Yeah, in this yeah. so the backstory, if you if you really want to know the, the real backstories, because I used to like cop shows when I was a kid. And you're like, they're always crashing. Right. Insurance right. would be a good business. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to... <laughs> I, I used to think I wanted I wanted to be a cop because it always looked like it was fun and exciting and <laughs> right. so forth. And 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 I found in a long story I won't get into all of it, but I found myself in the Air Force uh, and I got into law enforcement when I was in the Air Force. Oh wow! And because I thought that's kind of what I wanted to do, so I sure. gave me a chance to get some experience and get some education and so forth. And that was that was fun. I actually enjoyed it. But while I was doing that, they gave me a chance to start training and mentoring some of the new people coming into our organization Mm -hmm. and through that uh in connections i made through there i found out that the the air force has a pretty robust you know training i would imagine it's kind of important (laughs) (laughs) and there's actually you know a a career field centered on that so So you weren't aware of that i I wasn't really aware of that at the time when i when i first went in and and then so I, I looked into the opportunity to 
do a, a career transition over there and I, I I happened to hit it at the right time that they were looking for people and uh, and had that opportunity so that's how I first got into it uh, so so kind of you got the opportunity to be a mentor mm-hmm. for, through this and then you you like that yeah role? yeah so I, I was I was mentoring and training new people coming right. into our went back when I was working in as a security policeman as we called it and then uh, I had the chance to actually go into a different career field as a training right. professional yeah but it was that first kind of taste of being the right. mentor and and kind of helping these people along right. and I really enjoyed that I right. really just it's kind of that working with people helping right. people along so I just thought well I like doing this <laughs> And the whole cop thing was fun, but <laughs> it's not as, as glamorous as yeah, it is on TV. It wasn't as fun as it looked like on TV all the time. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of times you're sitting around just kind of tapping your fingers, and you know they don't uh, show that part. No, of they don't show that. No. no. Now, um, what was it like now that you've been in training in the kind of the business world? How is it different than the military world? Yeah. So when I made that transition, and it was a long time ago, I hate to admit, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, what I found was that in the military, you know, if you think about it, what the military does is they they train all the time. Really, right. if they're not yeah. and a lot of young people that right. don't have a lot of skills, and right. they train them to play with expensive things. Right, that people exactly. can get hurt. So, so it was really looked at as a profession, and and when you went into it, you they you got a really solid foundation and mm-hmm. instructional design and just training principles and concepts and so forth. So, it, what I I think the difference I saw, and, and I'm going back to like the mid '90s or thereabouts, so I'm showing my age a little bit. But uh, I didn't think that there was it was always looked at as a as a profession, uh, not in all all because everybody did it. Is it right? Yeah, right. You know, so right. somebody was you know got into a classroom and they trained a little bit. and They said, "Oh, you're pretty good. Why don't you become <laughs> training manager for all of this?" And I didn't. I just. I guess I didn't see the same amount of of rigor and study and discipline mm-hmm. that I saw while I was in the military. So that was probably the biggest aha moment for me. But I will say I don't well, first of all that wasn't everywhere. That wasn't widespread everywhere. So I don't want to make make it sound like that, but I did see pockets of it that kind of disturbed me a little bit. Right. So um so I, I found that probably the the most interesting thing. Now looking back do you realize wow they did a pretty good job in the military. You know, <laughs> they you, did. They you, did a you know, great that maybe job. Maybe you probably were taking it for granted while you're going through it. You didn't appreciate it as much. That's that's probably true. But like I said, there is a really good, solid um, a foundation. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was just great. Well, I was thinking maybe resources, if nothing else. That I, I would think that the armed forces just has resources, whatever you needed, right? Well, I I don't know. <laughs> it's always whatever I needed. But I will say they did things right. You know, I mean, okay. they didn't they they wouldn't cut corners um right you know for the most part uh where and that was you know something else you know in a, in a business world you're always looking at expenses and so forth right. and not to say the expenses weren't considered in the military they certainly were believe me uh where i worked anyway <laughs> but um I, I just saw a much more disciplined approach there uh, then you know and again i i, I don't want to make widespread comments about other organizations that i wasn't a part of but i i did see a difference there when i got mm-hmm. out yeah. so what was your favorite part that that uh just got you so fired up about that you decided to do it for a living beyond the military 
Well, uh, for one thing, I guess it was the skill set that I had to sell in the marketplace <laughs> as I right. needed a job, right? <laughs> this is what I know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. So it was really the same thing. I, I would say I, in many ways I do the same thing I did back then today, right? right? right. So, so, and I enjoy it. I like what I do. So I, I, it's nice to be able to get up and like what you do for a living, right? So I kept, I, I just wanted to keep doing that. Now, what, did you find that having a military background helped you in getting a job? Was that credential something that they saw as valuable? Uh, that's a great, that's a, that's a really good question. And, and that was really interesting too, because a lot of times you, uh, you got some quizzical looks when people found out you had that background, you know, they, well, you know, we're not, you know, we're, you know, we just don't go around and order people, no. you know, what to do all the time. I'm like, well, because they know. watch a lot of movies right. too. They, so they, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't like that. And, and, and I got my first break because, uh, uh, the first boss I had, uh, that I interviewed with her, uh, husband was a, a civilian, but he worked at uh, Hanscom Air Force Base mm-hmm. out in, in Bedford, uh, Mass. And so she got to be familiar with the work that they did out there. So she wasn't quite as intimidated and so forth. <laughs> right. and she actually respected that uh, your service, uh, that service and, right. that, and that work. And she, she so she had some insight into that. So that gave me that 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 first job. And that was in the financial services sector. Mm hmm. So now, um, now in your current role, what does your day to day look like? Oh, um, geez, I don't know if I have a, a regular day to day. Every day is different. Yeah. So I have, um, I, I work in a, a, uh, we have a centralized training organization. So I work, uh, with, uh, my colleagues that have different functional areas that they're supporting and so my job is to support both them and the the businesses in terms of whatever product training they need. So I have a team of people that uh, you know develop training and provide that training. And they're to deployed those around the country. Ah, uh, yes, they are. Yeah. So yeah. then they have to come to you to get kind of the big learning, and then they go back out and and share the learning. That's him. He's VP of Big yeah. Learning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, they, uh, my people are, are the experts that are kind of going out into the field to, mm-hmm. to deliver that training, uh, whether in, and sometimes that's live in person training or, uh, you know, we'll deliver that through whatever means necessary, virtual training, right. uh, online learning, whatever we need to do there. So you've joked a little bit about being a little long in the tooth as we say down my right. way. Uh, <laughs> but you have been at this a while, uh, Tell us how you've seen the profession evolve. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. I think the obvious one is that you know we've seen the technology evolve a lot, yeah, right? So yeah. that's 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 very clear. Uh, but we've also, I think, seen learners evolve too. Um, I think that with this generation, um, this you know, we talk a lot about the millennials now, right? That uh, they grew up with technology in a way in 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 the fast pace of change that i know i didn't grow up with uh so we've seen a a difference and i think in how they look at their need for the consumption of of learning and just information uh so i think that that uh adds an element of 
of evolution that we've seen happen there. But we also have to consider that we still have the other generations in the workforce. You have the boomers like myself and the Gen Xers and, and whoever else out there. So we can't just be totally focused on, well, how, this is how you know the younger millennial generation learns we need to consider that and what we're we're building and creating but that's that's not the only consideration um so i think i think those those factors are some of the things that i've seen how we've evolved um it's designing i want to speak i want to dive into that a minute if we can designing training recognizing that you may very well have multiple generations uh, and you've always had multiple learning styles mm-hmm. um speak to that a little bit about how do you attack that or how do your instructional designers attack that Ooh, that's that's a good one i i, I think that we we look to try to develop as much um blended learning as we can so by that i, I mean that we look to try to create opportunities where people can consume the information that they need in the time and place and way that, that works for, for them, them. right? Yeah. So that's not always easy to do. In some cases, uh, you you can be challenged to do that depending on things like, because we have, you know, geography issues and, and um uh, sometimes time considerations and things like that. So sometimes you don't get to build that maybe as robustly as you like. But it's really just trying to look at uh, the way I. This is the way I kind of think about it. In today's world, we have a lot of different, as I mentioned, different technologies and, right. and things that we can bring. You know, so whether it's social media, uh, whether it's you know online learning or different different right. methodologies that we can use. I just think that we are still trying to put together a puzzle. We always are trying to put together a puzzle for learning, but now we have a lot more pieces. So you're, instead of, you know, when you were a kid, right, you had that little puzzle and it was pretty easy to put together, right? There were like five pieces and you <laughs> right. kind of like put I it together. I had that puzzle. Remember I that remember one? that puzzle, yeah. But now you got that thousand piece, you know, so now it's kind of like, and people well, are throwing extra pieces <laughs> on every all six the, months. All the time, yeah, because every time you pick, you, you know, you pick up the, the, uh, it's like, yeah, I'm going to make this so I can uh, watch it on my phone. And then somebody goes, hey, I have a watch that I'd like to watch it on now. You know? right. oh, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So how's that going to play into this? <laughs> Who knows, right? So uh, it, it, it's it's interesting. So there's a lot more pieces of the puzzle to put together. So and actually, but I think that makes it a lot more fun. Right. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like you can be more creative. And uh, we have we're fortunate. We have some great instructional designers that are always like, oh, hey, you know, let's try. Let's look at this or look at that new Mm -hmm. thing. So it's it's a lot of fun. Is that a challenge for you then? Now you got to choose and prioritize like, okay, let's you know, we put some energy in this area. Maybe now we can hold off here and then work in a different platform because there are new technologies happening and you can get distracted by that shiny object well uh, yeah you use the term that i use all the time (laughs) shiny objects and we and and i think i i'm very fortunate i work with a a great uh group of colleagues and and our particular head of instructional design is really disciplined about 
being research-based in what we do, let's not just do something because it is the new shiny object. Right. So let's look and see. Someone read a blog post right. on it last week. You know? <laughs> right, right. But, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because that's what our, our customers do a lot, right? They come to us and they say, hey, you know, we have this training <laughs> and I just read something about and let's do that. And, 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 and there might be something to it. So let's look at that. But uh, let's make sure we're doing something because it's the, it's the right thing to do. Right, it not makes just sense. Because it's, right. it's, it's the new thing to right, do. Right. Have you been approached yet? And I say yet because I'm starting to see a few folks in, in your uh, arena start to start to talk about this a little bit about the about coming up with some way to harvest the information from the whatever the level is that's the late boomers or that are about to retire before they walk out the door with all this intellectual capital. Mm. Are you starting to is that conversation beginning to start like we got to get that captured before they walk out the door right that's great yeah that's great knowledge out there yeah. right, that we've got and and we are starting to play in that space a little bit around kind of knowledge management and, and right. how we're going to do that so we're actually um, outside of our learning organization we have a group that's kind of looking into that but we're, we're very connected with them so we're starting to to look at that more and more um, so it's a it's a it's an interesting space for us as well it's just a fascinating topic to me, and I don't know how to put a price tag on it, but just intuitively, I have to believe that that's um, that can be worth a lot of uh, money to an organization. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, I've got uh, this this great woman that works for me now, and so I say product training with our products. But when you look at an insurance product, it's really understanding the coverage that that product offers, mm-hmm. and and again, so our underwriters when they're when they're selling this product, if you will, they need to make sure that, oh, when I'm giving Dan Collier this this product that I'm covering this, this, and this. And, and, and it's very legalistic. And if you don't understand it, mm. it, it can be a problem. Now, I have, a, I have this, this woman on my staff, and she's going to be retiring at the end of the year. And she knows this stuff inside so well. and out right she's like radar she, right yeah. like on mass she is she <laughs> loves this stuff that's the other thing too <laughs> we don't get a lot of because it is very legalistic at times right. and so forth but she loves it and what we're doing now is we're having her creating a lot of these just these short little snippets of, of inf- courses and you. information just to kind of capture that before she leaves because she just has a great way because you could always t- ask her if you have a question right and she would know the answer <laughs> right exactly and 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 people call her all the time for you know for that 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 knowledge and and uh, are always asking for her by name for for training and so forth but she's not going to be there and she has a great way of explaining it in a simple way so we said hey can we just capture that She'll now be your you Siri, know. right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what exactly. is that? What is that new camera that's out now? The Flip came and went, but the the Pro Go or the GoPro, right, GoPro. GoPro. you need to strap GoPro, one of those yeah. on her, yeah. <laughs> like her last month, <laughs> <laughs> or an intern to follow her around right. with, a, with a GoPro. That might right. be worth it, worth right. exploring. Right. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about uh, professional associations. I understand mm-hmm. uh, we've had several people in this morning. And uh, I think to a person, they were all involved with one or more professional associations. Um, and you're in one, not the same one, or at least not the same region, chapter, team, club, whatever that Dan is in. Right. But tell us a little bit about your experience over there. Sure. So uh, I'm, I'm a board member of the Central Massachusetts uh, ATD, American uh, uh, 
what do we now? I was going to say AST. Yeah, you changed your name, right? right? Yeah. Association for Talent Development. I, it just doesn't flow as easily as it used to. <laughs> the Association for Talent Development, formerly American Society for Training and Development. And I'm currently uh, a VP of Marketing there. I've held various roles on the board. I've been involved with that that chapter for quite a few years. I, I now work in Boston, but I used to work in Central Mass and mm -hmm. live more out that way. So I've been very involved in that chapter. And I just think it's, it's, it's I think we owe some Something to our profession. I talked about earlier that I really see what we do as a profession. I right. think nowadays we we all see it much more that way. We never had radio stations <laughs> dedicated to talking about this. <laughs> right. when I, like I said back, so it, that, that really that really speaks to seeing us as a as a profession. And I think we all owe something back to that. I wish you know, and Dan and I will talk about this from time to time. That you know, you, you, it's a volunteer gig right so it's hard to always put into it what you really really want to but you know I, I try to do as much as I can there yeah and that's what does make it a profession when people volunteer their time to give back mm -hmm. to share what they know mm -hmm. to help young people out to get them going in the career in the profession I mean those are the elements of right. a profession right absolutely I agree now what what um, part of the uh, being part of ATD is the most rewarding for you. Is it the giving back and helping like a young person get started in a career? Or is it just sharing what Do they have learned? hats? I always like to get a hat. <laughs> Secret hand The giveaways are the best ATD thing, hat. right? People, people love the giveaways. <laughs> right. You can get anybody anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's always amazing when you go to a conference or something and people go to an expo or whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, you see they, that you know where, the, where the, they're giving away the best stuff because that's where the crowd is. Hats or T-shirts, boy. <laughs> right. I tell you, you can really... People do crazy things right, for T-shirts. Right. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so what do I... I Geez, that's a, that's another great question. Um, I do think it's it's fun to help people along. I, I think it's good. Yeah, I think what I really like about it is just the networking, the and camaraderie, working, the, and working with the other professionals and to hear what they're, they're doing, going through. Right, and, and and sometimes it's nice to commiserate. Uh, <laughs> right, you know, just find out. Oh, geez, they're sharing the same pain <laughs> I am too. So maybe I, right. you know, I, I'm not as bad at this as uh, <laughs> it's as, not as bad as I think I am. Right. right. Well, or, I wonder. I wonder if you don't get a little bit of a of a uh, a head start, a quick view on what's coming down the the pike get a view right. on trends a lot quicker if you're hanging out with other people from other organizations and even other parts of the state right. i wonder if you don't get like first look i, I yeah? think you do you know and I, I tell you a great example of that is that we just had a uh, a new england area conference uh, that all the chapters all the new england chapters got together and put on this this conference mm -hmm. and this year we focused on, it was called Engaging the Brain, and it was focused a lot on kind of the neuroscience right. of, of learning. And I'm really, really interested in that. Uh, I, I thought it was a fascinating conference. And, and I will say, just as a little plug, I mean, the, these chapters do a great, that's a great conference that they put on. Uh, I've been to multiple, uh, I haven't been to every one. I think I had to miss one or two years, but uh, they do a great job. We get great speakers in there. And it's just it's just wonderful, uh, very professional. And uh, but this year, I, I just thought it was really interesting to start to learn about you know how how does the brain actually function? Because we, when I got into this and we started talking about adult learning theory and and, and Malcolm Knowles, who I think would be considered the father of adult learning, and he talked about the different concepts of of you know 
training being relevant to the learner and problem-centered and a place where they're comfortable making mistakes and things like that. And a lot of what I was hearing at this conference, the research now, the brain research is really starting to back that up. So it's nice to have that scientific backup sure. to what we're doing. But it's just really fascinating to look at about uh, about learning and memory and things like that. So mm -hmm. that's, a I think, to, to your point, point stone about yeah. you know being on, kind of starting to look at a little bit more on the cutting edge and ATD gave us that opportunity to do that so I think that's a good example is there anything I mean I would think another thing is you can warn people off like if somebody says <laughs> you know hey right. we're thinking about doing this and you, uh, you the group can say you know we tried that and that had these challenges right yeah you know? I, I think that does happen sometimes too yeah. now from that conference do you have any um tips and tricks you learned from there that uh, about neuroscience <laughs> well <laughs> he's been uh, working them on you the whole yeah, time you yeah. just don't even know i don't know but the one thing one thing i remember in one of the sessions and it talked a lot about was it the se section on retention yes <laughs> it was <laughs> it was that we talked a lot about memory it's talking about uh, we had actually a neuroscientist there talking about memory and, and, and the place that emotion uh, has there and how important it is to get emotion involved with your learning. And that helps and it really connects the learning. It. And, you know, the, the analogy that she used is, you know, how many movies have you ever watched over over time? And a lot of them you could you might name it and say, did I ever watch that movie? Right. But there are some movies you watch that you, that you remember very well. Why? Because there was a real emotional connection there mm -hmm. that you had to that. And that just really enhances your memory. So, you know, and there's the, the spectrum of emotions that you can apply, right? right. So they're not all happy, maybe not. <laughs> but, but they can be, they can, it can be a lot of different things. So I thought that that was really interesting. And I think we've always done that, but it just gives me cause to think that right, but it's, that. A, it's not intuitive you think oh well make sure there's a lot of emotion there so people remember this you know you right don't. but but we're talking so so i'll give you an example of something that we're doing uh in trying to apply that back at the job um we deliver uh, our again our product training to new underwriters coming into the organization so these are kids right out of college and they're mm -hmm. just so we're saying okay it's important that you understand this particular coverage because if you do if you if you don't think of x then you're going to be applying that to our our customers and that this is going to be covered well we're not what we're doing now is we're bringing some claims uh, some experienced claims adjusters into the class to talk about claims that they've faced uh you know big claims that they faced because a coverage was misapplied so we're hoping to uh, you know get these people to real you know to realize not only, but to, in an emotional way right. they say holy cow you know if i screw this up there are this big, big consequences right. here so not in in, in, in you know no scare them away yeah. but uh, but just to kind of but it makes it sense. real right so that was something that you know, as we came away from this conference that we're actually starting, you know, I, we were thinking about and now we're applying to the job. So is storytelling important? Storytelling, I think, is actually really critical. And we're, uh, it, it's interesting to bring that up because that, there was a lot of talk about storytelling at the, the conference too. Um, we're actually uh, getting our entire uh, organization together later this year. And uh, out in Seattle, we have a big office out in Seattle. So we're going to get together out there. Uh, we're going to bring everybody from across the country together. And we were talking about just that 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 uh, topic of storytelling. We're going to actually try to bring in some uh, some experts to 
talk about that. And some people we've been talking to. And what's really interesting is that uh, this one individual we're considering uh, to come in to to talk to our group was is he a radio host because no, they have no, a he, lot of skills in no, storytelling. No, <laughs> he, he he's not, uh, but he is a storyteller. But he's done a lot of research on it. And again, back into the neuroscience, he calls it this storytelling neural net that he refers to, and uh, that actually when you think about the the written language and the, the way we think about learning a lot. Well, that's a relatively recent phenomenon, right? So people really learn over the years, and it's been kind of built into our, 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 our neurons, if you will, our, our brain, and how we learn is by storytelling, and how important that storytelling right. process is. So I think it's—I I absolutely think it's—it's it's really critical. Right. I think it lends itself to your industry because if you can capture that knowledge from the people that are in the front lines dealing with people right. and get their story, the real story, and you could have images that illustrate the story, then that should really resonate with your learners. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it's that's absolutely true. And just because it's a story doesn't mean it has to be unstructured. I would think you could add some real discipline, rigor, methodology to capture and redistribution of story of and layer it on top of this skill set or methodology like this guy's talking about. Absolutely. In fact, he has kind of the story... Uh, this guy's uh, got broken down and you know right. and a oh, okay. way to tell yeah, a story that makes sense and and so i thought that's really great i think our instruct it's great for like our instructional designers right, right? that's the way an instructional designer thinks is you know okay i've got to you know go through this uh, you know id process and if we can over layer those components of what a good story is into that right that's that, the best, that, best that of both worlds well. right right so there's a lot of great opportunity there, I think. Well, I'll tell you what. I have a feeling you're going to do extremely well in that class. You've done a fantastic job of relating your story here in this segment. I hope you'll come back and visit with us again sometime. Well, I, I got a feeling Dan might twist my arm or something. <laughs> He's always doing that. So you might see me back here again. Uh, if appropriate, would love to for our listeners to be able to reach out to, to you or someone in your organization. You guys, everyone we've talked to, you just strike me as a very collaborative, giving crowd um, so if we could have some coordinates of somewhere they might go to yeah, tap maybe into some the of this. ATD chapter or your LinkedIn or your email, whatever is most sure. important. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I can get you. you you're looking for uh, I can give well the more you give the more we can bill you for the ad (laughs) (laughs) no no whatever's appropriate and you're okay with I I want these folks to be able to reach out yeah sure so they I mean anybody can look me up on LinkedIn Uh, so just just you can do a search on me by uh, uh, Dan or Daniel uh, Twombly T-W-O-M-B-L-Y and my uh, email daniel.twombly at libertymutual.com just Give me a shout out there if anybody wants to connect. I'd be, I'm always happy to connect with people and out there. They, do the you field. know the uh, website of the ATD chapter? Yeah, we're um, uh, I just change. So just just it's look up Central Mass Central ATD. Mass ATD is, yeah, and you'll find, find it, it there. Right. Well, thank you again for joining us, man. This has been a lot of fun. All right, Stone and Lee, appreciate it very much. I enjoyed it too. All right, we'll be back in a few from Training Pros Boston. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.